welcome to the Idea Fit Pro Show with your host, Sandy Todd Webster. Hi, everyone. This is Sandy Todd Webster, Ideas Editor in Chief. Today, I'm talking with 2019 Idea Fitness Leader of the Year, Trisha Murphy Madden. This is the second of a two part episode during which Trisha and I dive into the pandemic pivot that the fitness industry has managed over the past year. There was so much to unpack that we had to split it into two segments. If you haven't listened to her great ideas from the first one, I encourage you to check it out. Thanks so much for joining us. It seems really clear that virtual fitness is here to stay. I mean, that's just kind of a given now. What advice do you have for fit pros who haven't yet taken the leap into virtual? Um, They might be trepidatious about it or shy. What can you offer to give them the confidence to just do it? Oh, well, I would just say that you're going to fail. And I think I think there's a lot of people who live in a space of being afraid to fail. And, And going back to that original conversation in March, you can be afraid to, to fail. That's okay. But you still have to be courageous enough to take the steps, right? So courage isn't without fear, but you have to have some courage and you also have to value what you do. So before you take that step, assess that. Do you, do you, do you have value in what you do? And, and do you feel like there's a consumer out there for you? Is there somebody that needs what you can deliver in a live stream or video on demand space? The other thing is, if you're nervous to do this on your own, find a relationship or partnership that makes sense. So right now, um, tons of clubs, in fact, our club is launching a video on demand program through IntelliVideo. Find clubs that are maybe taking this courageous step, maybe partner. If, so if you're afraid to do this as a one instructor without the support of, of a huge network, there are tons of people and clubs and brands looking to bring on talent. So if, if that makes more sense to you, look for those opportunities and just reach out. You know, I think that's the most important thing. If you're looking to do it from your home, here's what I'll tell you. Right now, it's the easiest time to do it. So you're not going to have to make the mistakes I made or <laughs> all of us made in the process, right? You're going to you're going to know what what mixer you need, how to share music, what camera angles that you can actually use your iPhone as your camera and your computer microphone as your sound. We've learned so much and all of that is there for you to grab now. So those those things that we failed on from a technology perspective are going to be very easy for you right now. So that those things, those those risks are gone. The only risk by putting yourself out there you have is succeeding. (laughs) You know, if one person takes your class or signs up to train with you, you've succeeded. So as long as you aren't afraid to start making money again and you're not afraid to reach an audience, then then don't then do it. (laughs) Um, So I think that's my way of saying be bold. Yeah. Um, the other thing I'd say is, is be thoughtful in the process. What content gaps are there? You know, who, 
who is underserved right now? And I can tell you right now who's underserved, which is fit and strong 55 to 75 year olds. We know this because so many of them aren't going to be able to come back to the health clubs. So as less and less instructors are doing those, the two way live stream and the clubs are reopening, what happens to like my parents who are 80 in the best shape of their life, but probably aren't going to go back to health club. Mm -hmm. So let's think like we've brought them in now that gap needs to be filled. I also think there's huge gaps in kids fitness. So uh, there are 12 states currently still Zoom schooling in the United States, along with some pockets in other states. Who's who's helping kids teach fitness? There is some, there is some out there, but maybe your community wants somebody local. Maybe there is an opportunity to teach content to active aging facilities. So um, centers where people really aren't leaving the facility much, but really could use the assistance. So I think it's 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 more about thinking outside the box in terms of finding the consumer that needs you uh, and then and then going for it. Yeah, those are terrific ideas, Trish. I hope you guys are taking notes out there. <laughs> um, those are some great ap- approaches. Um, I wanted to switch gears here a little bit and take a few minutes to to have you relive the honor of being named the 2020 Idea Fitness Instructor of the Year last July, or August, I guess it was. Um, what what did that mean to you personally and professionally? And what has what has that, well, we know sort of what your year has been like um, as the newly minted Fitness Instructor of the Year, just really proving your mettle with that title. But um, yeah. what, what did it mean to you? For me, it... It was more of an acknowledgement of a lifetime of, of commitment. So there have been many moments, whether it's COVID or college or having children or closing a business or um, recessions. I mean, there have been so many things that have tried to stop my passion or my interest in teaching fitness. And... To me, the award was a little bit internally uh, um, a moment of just acknowledgement that it, that all of that, all of that, all of those moments where I said, I'm going to keep going, I'm going to keep teaching these classes, or I'm going to keep creating this program, or I'm going to try to make a living in a place where it felt really difficult for many years. So it was an acknowledgement internally. Uh, it, I think what's really different this year is that it wasn't about a stage, right? There, there was no, you know, fancy stage and, you know, thousands of people, but my fitness journey has always been connected to my mother and my family and my, and my uh, daughter, because when I first entered fitness, it was, it was a difficult time for my family. And I was so lucky that my mom was ready to support that. And I don't mean financially, she couldn't, but there was an element of craziness about this, right? It, it, at the time, there were two gyms in Seattle, uh, you know, the late 80s and early 90s in fitness. If you were going to become a fitness instructor, what is that? So I really had that support from my mom. So having the opportunity to get the award just surrounded by family 
in a year that I didn't get to see my family. So in my case, I accepted the award with my mom at her home and my daughter, but we had to do COVID testing and we had to do all these things just to see each other and hug and talk about it and celebrate. So it was a really special day. Now, the award is something that you you get nominated for and then and then you have to write this whole historical look back at your career. And I think that was a really fascinating process and it was a, it was a good time to reflect on the moments I've failed tremendously and the moments that I've had um, moments of genius in my career and everything in between. And so I think anybody, when you consider taking the time to apply for these awards, think about the value you'll get just in the application process. You know, there, there are, there are, more qualified people out there than me. There are, there are better instructors, there's better coaches, but you have to take the time and assess that historical look back so that you can show that panel of judges. And so I hope next year we can really, A, I hope we get to see everybody in person again, but I, I can't encourage people enough to go through the process. And I know, um, when you get turned down for it, Oh, by the way, I was turned, I was, I was a finalist, I think, three times maybe. And then um, I didn't even become a finalist a few of the years too. So it's not an easy process. It's like anything else. I also, it's part of life, right? The the um, 11 years I applied to present at IDEA before I was accepted. 11 years. Got turned wow. down and turned down. Thank you so much for the application. <laughs> not amazing, interested. Amazing persistence, Trisha. Right, right. Yeah. And I think I think anything you want has to come from that experience. Now, as the award has been a little awkward for me this year because it feels whenever people bring it up, I kind of I cringe at it, not because I don't appreciate it. I do. I, I feel like so many people are suffering in our industry right now. So that really it was hard to accept an award in a year that I knew friends who were shutting down their gyms mm -hmm. and I knew fitness instructors who were making nothing anymore. And there was, a, there was a really a, a deep sense of sadness in my heart, just that something good was happening to me and, and, and while the world was struggling. So that was, that was a little bit um, strange is the right way to say it, but, but still, I think it was the right year for me to win. If anybody was going to win this year, it's the right year for me because it, the application was actually submitted before COVID. That's the crazy thing. So yep. I didn't know that I was going to spend the, this year working the hardest I've ever worked and maybe even have had some of the bigger successes in my career have happened this year. So it, it's, it's just the perfect year for me. And I actually, as much as I love being on stage and I, I, people joke around, but I'm a bit of an introvert from a, like, I'll talk about you all day long. It's a little awkward for me to like, you know, in fact, when I give presentations now, if a presenter is like, oh, and she's the, the fitness leader of the year, I'm like, I cut, it kind of makes me feel <laughs> uncomfortable and I don't know why I'm very proud of it. It's just one of those things. I also have, um, I just feel like we have so far to come in the industry, so far to go in the industry in terms of accessibility. I, I was deeply touched by the COVID death rate and, and why people were dying from COVID and why people were getting very sick and why they still are. It really hit me that 
we as an industry have big places to go. We really haven't done a very good job when when the vast majority of people that do die from this or get very sick have this secondary issue of diabetes or obesity. I feel strongly that we haven't been able to make people feel welcome, make fitness affordable, um, be inclusive. You know, I, I've, I've had to really think through our marketing materials. I, I really feel like we have a long ways to go. And this year alone just kind of screams to me, like instead of saying, you know, and I, I see articles all the time and I, and I share them about how, you know, cardiovascular exercise is great for um, beating COVID and, you know, all, you know, like proving to the world, hey, you need fitness to, to survive. That's good. People probably already know that. People are probably already know that exercise would make them healthier. But people are, have never been offered exercise probably in the way that they needed it. And so I just feel like we're, we're kind of going in the wrong direction in some cases in fitness. I see it in schools. I'm seeing it in my daughter's school where it's like you're either an athlete or you're not a, or you're not fit. Like you, you're, you, there's no like just go skateboard, go, you know, like you can't just be excited about movement. You have to be excited about a specific sport. And so many kids can't even afford the sports that they play, like that they'd like to play. It's just a, such an unfair grounds. And you can really see why entire communities have never been able to get their arms around starting fitness because nobody's ever made it available to them or made it feel, you know, like the party they want to go to. Right. Yeah. So, well, I, I guess with um, a virtual platform, if we can get into their homes, it's a it's a good start rather than yeah. feeling intimidated by coming into a gym or, you know, I, I'm going to say even as somebody who was an athlete in, a, in my past life, when I first started going back to the gym, it was kind of scary. I mean, I you don't want to feel like you're doing the wrong thing or you don't want to embarrass yourself. And um, I, I think we as an industry can be sort of exclusive in in that way where we are not as welcoming um, to the inexperienced exerciser as we could be um, and yeah. so yeah we we do we have we have some mountains to scale but um, yeah. you know a lot of great people to to tackle yeah. that with and and we're all we we're all already looking at at those opportunities. Um, yeah, I've watched, I've watched your organization. I've watched idea, you know, I mean, that's the thing, like this, this is such a good year for this award to have happened in general, just because I, I'm watching idea do the things that make me proud. You know, the, 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 or when an organization you're affiliated with, or you win an award on behalf of starts to dig into, um, issues of inclusivity, both for, um, religion, race, uh, gender, gender identification, you know, that whole category when, whenever you're you're hearing and seeing the organizations you're ex a part of do start to dive into the causes that you're passionate about, it just it makes you happy. And I, I think you know, idea and can fit. There's so many great. Everyone's jumping into that and into really looking at ourselves with a critical eye and and seeing where we can grow and and using our successes of the past to just continue to be better. And, you know, I said it, I think I said it in my speech, I hope if another pandemic hits, which is probably, we're learning probably pretty likely in our lifetime, 
what is the outcome? Is there a chance that I'm, you know, a 75 year old woman and there's a pandemic and they're like, Ooh, the big risk factor is, is these two things. And they go, well, the good news is the world has become more fit and more healthy since the last pandemic. And that would mean that we all collectively mm-hmm. did something good. You know, we did something strong. Right. Well, I, you know, there's, there's a lot of work to be done as you say. And, um, Again, I, I think we have some some really passionate and uh, just people who are who are very truly focused on what needs to get done. And so, yeah, yeah we'll just keep plugging away at it. Um, yeah. So, That's looking right. looking forward to a um, a post COVID world. What yeah. what are you? Any thoughts about? Um, where you where you see the industry landing landing post COVID? What do you think will be most different? Um, how can our pros get ready for what's coming? And then also, what are you hearing from your clients about how they're going to approach a, a post COVID fitness world? I, I think I think first and foremost, anybody that's working out any of our current clients are going to want the same consistent opportunity to move. So I think gyms, small and large, and independent instructors have done a really good job of making sure that every day there is an opportunity for their consumer base or their membership to move. Where in person, when health clubs existed before, I think a lot of people counted on their customer coming three times a week. So now, how do we engage everyone who's become really kind of excitable around daily fitness, how do we meet their needs? So is it technology? Is there some sort of interface? Is there challenges? Is there half, you can do these workouts at home and then track them over here. So where where can we build our business so that the consumers engaged on a daily basis. So this is not, this doesn't go back to three times a week. Mm-hmm. And um, that can be, you know, there's lots of things they can do. I mean, I was even talking to somebody about the idea that everyone's so fearful of the bigger brands having taken their customers. And I'm like, why not put a Peloton or a Soul Cycle bike in your gym and let them ride, let your members ride right there in your gym with maybe Peloton is their favorite format for cycling or soul cycle, or maybe they want to use their Apple fitness plus in your gym. Maybe you want to create a studio hour or hours where people can go in and do their favorite, you know, you could get a projector and let people do their fitness plus workouts right there in your gym. So it's, it's, it's a matter of continuing to have the same open mind for how you can adapt to your consumer's needs. I don't think it's necessarily about like one specific program that's going to become really popular. Um, I think what we've learned in COVID is that consumers really have the format. They know what they love and maybe it hasn't changed all that much, right? I'm seeing the same people in my dance classes versus my bar classes versus my strength classes. But when they come back, I just need to figure out how to engage them better. The other thing I think we have to think about in terms of what's coming is we need to reach out to whoever was in our sphere here during COVID that wasn't before. So what's going to take, I, I, you know, I'll, I'll use my, my poor mom. I don't think she'll 
listen, she might. Uh, I talk about her all the time. She's never taken my group fitness class in my life. She's nearly 80 years old. She's in the best shape of her life now during COVID. How do I get her? She was behind these dark boxes. She still took my class today, won't turn her camera on. Not yet, but she will not miss a class. And she loves to flex her muscle for me. So how do I grab mom and my stepdad, people who would have never been in group fitness before, how do I bring them in? So now is it, should I be creating surveys right now for, for members? We're so glad you've engaged with us during COVID. What, what, would, what would bring you in? Is it, I mean, you can be specific. Maybe it's that your group fitness room is too, you know, too much of a fishbowl. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's they, they don't know how to select. Do you need help figuring out your space? You know, what are the things that we could do to draw those people in? So instead of focusing on who you might have lost, and, and in Seattle, I'll be frank, in our community, I every day, one of my close friends, one, one of my neighbors says they bought a Peloton. And it, it's a hard thing. And I, I, I love Peloton. I think they're gifted and, and brilliant coaches. And I think their business models is genius. But that's difficult to swallow, right? Because now in an affluent community, many people have bought home equipment. So how do I overcome that? So maybe, you know, I have customers who are saying, I built a home gym. I don't need it anymore. Well, that's nice for you. Okay. So maybe I let that go. And maybe I figure out who was behind those boxes that I never did see. And how do I, how do I, so there's a customer base that we gained. How do we bring them on and, and make them part of our community? So I think that the marketing piece is really important. And if you can't afford marketing, um, you know, help or, or those things, I think it's really about the survey. What do they need and how can you, how can you serve them best? I think surveying is, is a great idea. And maybe that's even something that, uh, you know, idea could help with just coming up with a sample survey because, yeah. you know, fit pros don't always have time to build that stuff. And we do have some marketing expertise. So I, I think that's a wonderful idea. I like that. Yeah. So yeah. Tri- tri- is it just you we've been able to sell people that never would have come into our classes. So yeah, why and- didn't they in the first place? <laughs> Yeah, and so are you seeing a lot of new people in your classes that weren't there previously? And have you asked them how, how did they find you? What do they like about the class? What's your what's been your experience with that? So I have probably half the people that take my class daily are people that never took my class before. So this morning I think I had twenty two people. Ten of them were my regulars before. The rest were new. Oh, wow. I was very strategic in my approach, which was, I'm so glad you're my biggest fans, right? You know, they, there's a, a great podcast about having talk about talking to your truest fans. So I knew in the beginning that I was going to have to grow my consumer following, whether that's today or it was in nine months. Um, you need to look at your biggest fans as your potential growth um uh, pathway, right? So I'm glad you love my class. I know your friends and neighbors are stuck at home too. And you know, the style of my teaching, I, I typically teach to a 55 plus clientele just because I live in a very old neighborhood in Seattle. And frankly, I've been teaching in the same club for almost 30 years. So <laughs> they're just 30 years older. And so am I. So, um, so it's just, it's one of those things for me, um, 
that I, I asked them to grow my business. I asked them to bring people on. That was number one. The other thing is when you create a Disney experience each and every time you turn on your camera or you start your first class, you're going to hold on to them. So you have to remember if somebody has an experience with you in a fitness environment, you gotta, you gotta be able to hold on to them. So that experience has to be so great in some way. The workout has to be good. Your communication has to match the content of that awesome workout and the open and the close has to invite them back. So that's sort of my focus when I, when I produce any sort of live stream. The other thing that I can't emphasize enough is that one instructor is not enough. Right. So if you're teaching on your own platform and it's it's the Trisha Murphy show, I am very I am a person some people love in class and some people maybe, maybe don't love. So I, I'm not for everybody. Um, some of the best fitness instructors in our the history of our industry are actually quite polarizing. Right. The people that are like that person's good. I don't think I don't think so. The other person's like I'm they're obsessed with them. So. The most important thing you can do is figure out people that you can surround yourself with in fitness that you can refer and, and pass customers back and forth with. So uh, when in June, when I realized we couldn't teach anymore and I knew we weren't going to be reopening, I, I partnered up with a whole marketplace of instructors and I started a platform called Homeroom Fit. Mm-hmm. And it was really just so that I could bring the best of the best into one space so that they would feel safe sharing their consumer. So as an example, you know, I'm taking a class and it's from Abby Apple and it's a killer core class. Okay. So at the end of Abby's class, if we're paired together in some way, she can say, so glad you enjoyed my class today. Did you know that Trisha Murphy Madden is right here tomorrow? And you can take her class. I can't, I highly recommend her because remember if your consumer is crazy about you, they trust you. And so what I've tried to do in bringing people onto homeroom is have people that have such a, a high level of, of um, instruction and, and co their content is spectacular. So I know that if we bounce each other's customers back and forth and help each other's customer base grow, um, they're in good hands. So it doesn't have to be one platform. It doesn't have to be a home fit. It could even be at the gym. You know, instructors are so afraid to share their following. And believe it or not, if I share my following with you and vice versa, we both, you know, all, all ships rise with the tide. Right. And I think that concept has become more and more accepted now during COVID is it's like, as you grow, I grow. And, and I find myself recommending people all the time that are even in a competitive industry to me. So I, I really believe that you have to see endless opportunity in terms of consumers that are out there and make sure that you're not the only thing you think your customers need because I'm not. I, I know that my, my consumers need more. My mom needs something other than me teaching her classes. Right. And the more variety we can give consumers by referring them to a colleague's class, um, it just exposes them to more and better in the industry and what we're all about that they may not have known before. So such, such yes. great ideas. One last thought on that, which is just for these independent instructors to realize one of the main reasons when you look at reviews for bigger um, 
high, you know, some of these platforms that we feel like are taking all of our business. For the independent instructor, remember that when I go to one of those platforms, there's a variety of instructors and a variety of styles and a variety of workouts. And so if your fear is, is holding on to your consumer and, and partnering up with people, think about it from a cost, from a consumer's perspective and you'll see your business grow. Love it. Love it. You have doled out so many great nuggets on this podcast. Trisha, thank you. Um, before we before we sign off here, do you have any final words of wisdom to share with your fitness colleagues? Um, and then also, please tell us, tell everyone how they can connect with you on your website or through social, however you want them to reach out. Sure. I, I think... I'll give you my connection first. I, I, you can follow me in social media at Murph Madden, a, <laughs> at Murph like the dog, M-U-R-P-H, Madden like the game. Um, and that's a good way to just see what I'm up to. I usually try to post there. People can also message me there. Facebook is great, Trisha Murphy Madden. And then homeroomfit.com is where my personal classes live. If anybody ever wants to take my class or take Abby Apple's class or Manuel Velasquez or Irene McCormick, they're all there. So I do. Uh, that's how you, you, oh, you can anytime. Come, oh, I will. I will. He's so good. I, all of them are so good. I watched the class today. It was so good. Um, and then I think my, you know, big thought for everybody is, is what I said earlier. Courage is not without fear. So in the next, you know, in the past year, we've been faced with things we never thought we would be. Our industry was was sort of picked on in a, in a weird way. We don't even in some cases know why we were shut down the way we were shut down and compared to other businesses. And there's lots of arguments around that, but we, it is what it is. Our job as leaders is just to help you guys navigate what comes at you. And so I would just say, don't be afraid this year to try new things. You did it last year when you were forced to. This year, it may be easier, right? There may be easier times ahead. Maybe the gyms open back up. Maybe business starts to flow and people are excited. But maybe there's still challenges ahead. And maybe the flow of getting back to the new normal isn't going to be a straight line. So just don't be afraid to make big mistakes. Don't be afraid to let the world see you didn't do something perfectly. I, I made so many mistakes this year. I, I don't I, I can't count them anymore but those mistakes were never ever talked about by my friends it was it was the support of my friends that helped me take another risk and so you're if you if you're a good human and you've got good team around you and you work for good people and you're associated with good organizations they're always gonna lift you up even when you absolutely fall on your face and and um, that's it. Be brave. Be brave. And we all need to be lifted and make sure you turn around and look at who needs to be lifted behind you. Yes. Right? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I mean, it's it's like you said with this article, someone said, you're getting on Zooms with perfect strangers. I'm like, yes. If, one per <laughs> if, if that person can launch their business because I spent 10 minutes helping them see their audio settings with their mixer... That was the best 10 minutes I could spend. That's that positive karma is coming back at me. You know, I've had more people do good things for me in this industry than I can. I don't even know where I'd start the list. So just do good by everybody around you and your your career will just continue to rise as well. I don't think there's a better way to end this. Trisha Murphy Madden, 
Thank you so much for joining me today. It's been great catching up with you. Thank you so much. For Trisha's recorded session on virtual training, complete with her PowerPoint, a section on improving your virtual class marketing approaches, and a Q&A segment, go to the link provided in the show notes. Also, check out the January-February Fitness Journal article she wrote called Ramping Up Your Virtual Zoom Studio. It's the most comprehensive how-to approach on the topic available today. That will also be linked in the show notes. If you're looking for more idea content or want to learn more about membership or events, visit our website at ideafit.com. We also host the Listen and Learn CEC podcast, the fitness industry's first and only audible CEC program. Each episode contains information from our award-winning fitness journal that has been approved for one CEC by more than 25 certification agencies. You can subscribe to both the Idea Fit Pro Show and Idea Listen and Learn CEC podcast in the Apple Podcast Store and on other podcast platforms. Check the show notes for these details and for other resources mentioned in today's episode. This is Sandy Webster signing off. Until next time, stay positive and keep inspiring the world with your special magic. Don't ever forget that you make a huge difference in the lives of others and that idea is here to support you in this critical purpose. Thanks for all you do to make the world a healthier, happier place.